Discretion is advised. Welcome to Art Star Scene Radio on Radio Free Brooklyn. This is Lucas Tiamore. I'm Rachel. And I'm Calvin. Tonight, joining us, we are very excited to have Daryl Lamont Jenkins. He is the founder of the One People's Project that was started in 2000. Um, it's an organization that um, publishes information about people who are racist or far right um, and mostly in the United States. Um, we're really excited to have him on. He was known for um, being the original person to dock somebody or like the original, you know, he gets the credit for being the original person at least. <laughs> yeah. And we'll let him, we'll let him talk more about what all that means. <laughs> How's your everyone's week until we, until he calls in? Oh, kept it pretty low key this week. We survived it. We made it through. Yes. <laughs> we had a nice Shabbat last night. We did have a nice Shabbat last night. Uh, everything was everything was absolutely wonderful. The uh, I Lucas, I have to commend you on the sauce that you made because you liked it. Grease. It was yeah. freaking incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It was like a slow simmer sauce. Like it took. I. I. She was like, I think it's too early to start cooking, and I started like maybe like I. Start, I, I. I cooked that sauce for like four hours, maybe like. Uh, but yeah, you let it simmer for a long ass. Let it simmer time. for a long time. Yeah. Did you uh, did you use actual tomatoes or tomato uh, or a, a tomato paste or tomato? Um, I used actual tomatoes. Like I I boil them for a minute and then I peel the tomatoes. Like the um, unless I'm really lazy and then I just like let the let the skin in it. That's happened first before. But it also but tastes really good to have the skin in it. It still tastes good if you have the skin, but like it doesn't like crunch up so much. So like I take off the skin um, and then um, you know do that. I don't I don't use the canned. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure like, I have used canned before, and it's still very good. Like as long as you get those like nice uh, like Italian cans of tomatoes, like they're not they're not bad. Or like I mean, I'm sure it doesn't have to be Italian, but just get like a nice can of tomatoes. Mm. Like some of them, I think have like some preservatives in them though, and so I just like to like stay stay natural. Oh, I got you. Oh, I usually prime my I uh, kind of prime myself on. Uh, trying to make things from scratch but uh tomato sauce is one of the few things that i haven't tried to make yet i can teach you oh that'd be awesome was, yeah was it your first shabbat calvin um no actually cool but first cool. one in a first one in a very long time nice so i appreciate uh y'all inviting me over really really uh really nice event nice fellowship Got to say some some good blessings, eat amazing food. Yeah, we had really like our best friends there, um, you know, people from over the years. So people who had never met um, the my old therapist, who's now currently Rachel's therapist, like um, she told me that like the problem with me was like I was like compartmentalizing everyone. So that was when I began the journey of starting to like bring the people in my life together more. Um, and um <laughs> You know, it usually goes well. <laughs> the One People's Project um, has a really cool tagline, which is like, heat has consequences. That's I, amazing. I love that tagline. Heat has consequences. Heat has consequences, yeah. I love it. And it feels long overdue for people to actually realize that. Because a lot of times hate does not have consequences except for the victims of hate. And there's not consequences for the perpetrators of hate. 
Yeah. I mean, I think the far right gets away with a lot. I think overall, people who have power and have a voice uh, get away with a lot. And I very much feel that the people who experience are on the receiving end of hate don't realize that they have a voice as well. Because a lot of times hate is perpetrated upon people who are are assumed to uh, not have a voice or if they do, do not um, exercise the right to use their voice. Yeah, they don't know. They don't always know. And there's also a lot of consequences. It's a really freaking brave thing to say hate has consequences. Absolutely. Um, one thing that I found really interesting about Daryl was that he, um, was a police officer for the air force when he started one people's project. Interesting. And I think that's like really interesting because we don't see enough police officers like, um, standing up like that. Yeah, that's incredible. I definitely do want to, uh, hear a story about like what, like what made him take on uh such a uh, such a huge thing especially being in a position of power that he was in at the time exactly because like you know a lot of people like once you are you're already successful you don't right. you don't really want to like <laughs> rock the boat, rock the boat mm-hmm. you know <laughs> you're like people like me let's just leave it at that like <laughs> yeah but if you're if your boat is corrupt you got to rock it your boat's corrupt you got to rock it yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> I told him he could go on. Okay, perfect. Um, I should. I hate. I hate that time. <laughs> <laughs> Francis is like, no, that time is great, and then he has this. Oh, great, <laughs> good. This is Daryl right. right now. Hi, Daryl. Can you hear Hello? us? Hi, Daryl. I can hear you. Can you hear me? We can. We can hear, we can hear you. We just introduced you. We introduced the One People's Project. Um, we're really, really excited to talk to you today. Okay, you didn't say anything bad about me when I was off. <laughs> no, 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 we didn't. All, all we said was that you, um, we talked a little bit about the One People's Project, and then we we mentioned that you um, were a police officer for the Air Force, and we were actually saying that. That just ruins the rap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's to explain. <laughs> No, we just thought like a lot of people who are in, already in a position of power usually don't want to rock the boat. And so it's really interesting that you, you know, did this at that time. And we said, if your boat is well, corrupt, you got to rock it. <laughs> well, you see, the thing about that, those errors is that I was already um, punching holes in that boat to begin with. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it wasn't that really on a political basis either. It was just because I was a sweat when I was in... Um, when I was in the military, I didn't know what I was doing. I was a lousy, lousy soldier. It's nothing to brag about, but that's the way it goes. <laughs> and then, and so punching holes on the, in the boat was just accidental on my part until I went to a public enemy concert. And then I started going, okay, where's the freaking hammer? Yeah. <laughs> 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 but yeah, but yeah, that, that was... That was, I would say, I got kicked out. Let me make that clear. I got kicked out of the military. So, okay. and it's not, like I said, it's nothing really to brag about, but it is what it is. And you'll hear some, we're already on, I'm already on a roll. You can tell I'm having a good time with this, but. Um, we, we want you to have a good time. We want you to have a good time. 
<laughs> you could pretty much tell that um, it was like there was some guy who said that I got kicked out because I was in because um, I was getting involved in the Communist Party and all that, and I was like, no, I got kicked out because I was crap. <laughs> I had no business in the military, um, and then I started catching attitude once um once I started looking at the politics a little bit more. So, but you know, I am not going to tell anybody never. I would never tell anybody not to join the military or anything like that. You just got to be prepared for what it is. And on a political level, I would say, yeah, really prepare for what it is if you go that route. Um, so. I wasn't prepared. I wasn't really all that politically minded. Um, I was noticing a lot of things, um, as you would probably hear me say over and over again. There are times whenever I would, um, I was really into trying to figure out what was going on after the civil rights movement with the Nazis, and it was during the time I was in the military that uh, that I started really getting into um, what would eventually be called doxing and stuff. Couldn't do anything with doxing back then because the internet was. So, can, can you explain for our for our listeners what what doxing is a bit? Well, basically, what doxing is is for me, and I never really called it doxing. I never. Uh, it's only lack of a better term now, but it's when you gather all information that you can about a certain person. You put it on blast. You put it on blast however you can. And uh, in my case, as a, as a journalism is my vocation. I always believe in putting out all the information that I have about a certain person. Um, it was never really considered by myself to be a weapon, just another tool to make it easier for folks to take down the characters that we had to take down. I mean, that that was just something that I thought we needed to do at the time, especially since um, it was anti-abortion providers that came up with the idea in the first place. Mm. I mean, they was out there with placards and signs with the addresses um, of abortion providers, anti-abortion, anti-abortion activists, I should say. Um, abortion, um, they had placards and they would put them on their websites when they died or were murdered. They would cross their names out and such. And the court sided with them saying, hey, that was free speech. Okay, free speech for thee, <laughs> free speech for me. Wow, and absolutely. we started doing it like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. To have, that's, have you gotten in a lot of trouble for, um, you know, like to have people accuse you of like slander or how's that gone? That happens all the time, honestly. I mean, yeah. but the thing is, I don't like propaganda for propaganda's sake. And like I said, journalism is my vocation, and I've always had the attitude that the truth will set you free. Also, protect your ass from libel. You don't necessarily have to lie when you are telling the truth <laughs> in the first place. Absolutely. And, and, and when you're dealing with neo-Nazis, when you're dealing with... Uh, let's take it away from neo-Nazis for a little bit. When you're dealing with um, bad people to begin with, you don't have to lie. They pretty much give you everything that's bad about them, and everybody should just pretty much take that in. Um, well, even with this political climate as screwy as it is, um, good people will realize that sometimes there are just some folks that you need to keep your distance from. 
no reason to lie about them. Otherwise, people are going to think that you have something to hide. And you don't. You're one of the good guys. <laughs> That's the attitude that I can't put myself whenever I'm doing this stuff. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I try to... I, I'm an open book, personally. And I think that and that's the best way to be because then people can't really take you down when you try to say something about them. I mean, I, I sometimes slander um, psych words because of, I've been in a lot of psych words and they've done some pretty heinous things to me that are very illegal. And um, people will say that I'm slandering them, but it's, it is what it is. You know, I, ha- I, I have to speak my truth because there's a lot of people who are in psych words that don't have the ability to speak their truth. Correct, correct. I, I understand that. And you got to remember the other aspect, however, of my life. I was raised by a father who um, who was a counselor, who not a therapist, that was my uncle. Um, but his job was to help people who were going through it, you know? And um, he did the best he can. I mean, he was a drug counselor for a very long time. But before then, he was also working with people as they were trying to transition out of um, coming from the Vietnam War. Oh, wow. He worked in, um, oh, there was one guy who would not let go of his fi- let go of his rifle for nothing. Oh, wow. Nothing. And he ended up going to one of those places because of that. Because of that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, so it's like, I mean, even when he came back, I mean, if you tried to take his firearm away, his rifle away, he would, he would flip and kill you. Yeah, flip and kill you. They managed to take the fire pan now, so there wasn't any um, worry about him actually hurting somebody. But he was sleep with it. He would um, walk around um, the area with it and all. And uh, for dicks, to be exact, for dicks in Jersey, mm. um, he was sleep with it. You know, and they realized that he, he had a lot more going on than um, than a little bit. So they just sent him sent him to. I, uh, I don't know what facility they sent them to. This, obviously, this was in the 70s and when I was a kid. So um, so my father dealt with um, folks who were going through it all the time. And I like to think, and, I, and I, I don't even have to like to think. I know that my father was doing it um, and not with any malice, not with any, um, how should I say, um, say, he didn't look down his nose at those he was trying to help. He was legitimately trying to help, as was my uncle, as was my um, other uncles who were also who was working in the North school system. And they were always frustrated, all of them, whenever they couldn't help. I'd say the vast so, majority of the field is is the way your father was and is very, like, good people who want to help. Um, it's just, like, there are some people who are very abusive in the, um, and then in some hospitals that are very abusive, but it's m- m- the majority of the field is, is a good place. Yeah, you, you try, they try to be, at least. But like you said, I mean, and it's only a minority that can destroy everything. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that we learn in life. Um, so... I, I'm sorry that you had to go through those experiences. Hopefully, um, what you um, what you had to go through can inform everybody else on some of the deficiencies, and we can keep other people from having to go through it. You know, that's the that's the only thing you can do at this point. Absolutely, the only thing you can do. 
Absolutely, because I think they did it to me because I seemed so psychotic that I they thought I would never come back, and I don't think they do it to people who they think will come back. And so now that I've had those experiences and have come back, like I can hopefully help the people who can't speak for themselves. And that's the entire mission from then on. That's the entire mission from then on. You know your truth. You know who you are, and all you have to do is be that person. No one else can be that person for you. And it isn't even a case of you're going to show everybody that you can do this or that, right? It's about just doing who you, doing you, period. Let them see that. Let them see that you're wrong, right? I mean, to hell with what everybody thought of you. Because in the long run, what you truly are is going to make all the difference in the world out there. Absolutely. I I really like that you've gotten... um people out of far right groups. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I worked very hard to get David out. Um, and that was a difficult process for me because, you know, he, he felt so isolated in that group in proud boys and the proud boys he was in. And, um, I really like that you've like, you don't just turn your backs on everybody and say that they're in that group so that they're, they're, they're a lost cause, you know, I don't, I don't think well, anyone's a lost cause. No, not everybody's a lost cause, but by the same token, you also have to be careful with that, too. Because as I always try to tell people in, um, as I am helping people, they remember, all the people that I've held, all the people that, um, that I've spoken to, and some actually become friends and roommates, <laughs> um, <laughs> all of them came to me first. I just kept the door open. But if they didn't... But if they didn't go through that door, we're fighting. We ha- I have to. My obligation will always be to the people that they have the potential for hurting. Absolutely. I always have to be mindful of them. I always have to be mindful of that um, that brother who gets shot by a cop that happens to be a problem. <laughs> you know. Yep. I mean, no matter how much, how many demons he's going through, hurt. You know the old saying: hurt people, hurt people. Absolutely. I got to deal with mm-hmm. the people that they hurt, and how do I rec- how do I reconcile um, ignoring all the things that that person has done to the folks that they've done it to? There is going to be at some point. It depends on how much damage has been done over the course of their lives. Um, there's going to be some sort of atonement. There's going to be. No atonement for some folks. I mean, that's one of the things when I deal with Nazis all the time, that's one of the things that's really important to remember. You're not going to, um, not everybody's going to forgive you for what your past was, you know? And um, in addition to helping people get out, not only do they have to recognize that, you also have to recognize that as well because that person is going through a lot of pain now and making and all yours, all you look like when you're trying to advocate for somebody that you helped get out is you look like you're just advocating for the person and in some respect, yes, you are. But on the other hand, the person that you're trying or the person that's getting out of that kind of world, just like I had just said to you, has got to go do them. They got to go and just build and become the person that they say they are now and some folks unfortunately have fallen back into it um and then i just uh but not a lot 
not a lot of the people that I have dealt with in the past. Um, but, you know, it's a dicey situation. And I'm going to add this, too. It's not just about the Nazis, getting the Nazis out of the scene. There's also folks who are that are straight-up gangbangers, that are folks who are in cults. There are folks that um, have been radicalizing some screwy religion or whatever. I'm not going to say any particular religion. I mean, the thing is, everybody like that is going through the same thing where they were trying to make their lives worse than them and ended up in the wrong crowd. Absolutely. Yeah. And even, even, yeah, so, and even those who end up in the right crowd will still have those things going through their heads and they're still screwy even though they're around good people. It's all about how you navigate yourself. I think that's, and I, yeah. Yeah, I'm sitting there just running the table. No, you're doing great. You're doing, you're doing awesome. I don't mean to interrupt. You're doing great. What were you going to say, Rachel? Uh, yeah, I think um, what, what's coming up for me is when you're you're leaving these groups, fighting the battle of what you've been told, which is like no one else will love you. Like this is the only place you'll belong. This is the only place, you know, they'll say you are like us. And I think th- that's what's coming up for me is trying to fight those those messages and how to move on when you've heard that so many times. Rachel grew up in an environment that was very cult-like, would you say? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to talk specifically, but definitely that same kind of messaging of like, you are one of us and like, this is the place where you're going to belong and trying to fight that and right. be like, no, I can belong somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, that's what you have to learn how to do. Even on, even on levels of where you're trying to navigate the mainstream, you find some places, you need some places to belong. And when you realize that you can, you belong to you. (laughs) You become powerful. That's the first step. That's the first step. And by the way, I mean, you just said that you wasn't going to go through um, what it is you um, been through in your life and you don't have to. If you notice, we haven't even gotten into talking about politics. Yeah. <laughs> Not yet. Yeah. Not yet. <laughs> yet. 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 Yeah. But, but look at what, but, but there's a reason for that. Look at what's more important. Where are we going in the first damn place? What it is that are we looking for as a society? How it is uh, do we intend to grow? There's some folks out there who pretend that they're trying to grow and, and are not. Mm. <laughs> and Absolutely, avoiding everybody to advance themselves. There's a whole movement the of that of of people who mm-hmm. like pretend to be, you know, healers or like therapists, and they're not. And then they like you know really like reach out to try to get clients. And I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of wrong. It's it's, it's see, and even that doesn't have to be political. You can pretty much um, run the gamut on. You can go through any circle, and you're going to find some folks as long as they have an, a way to exploit, they're going to take advantage of it. And that's what we see all the time. Um, so you have that crowd, and then you have folks who actually are out there trying to do their thing, trying to make things work as a society. I would not, um, I would not, um, how should I say, damn, I lost my train of thought. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Francis, I'll get back to it when I remember it. <laughs> Francis, who's not here tonight, he has a couple of questions for you. He he's sick, but he he wanted to know: um, Do you feel Mike Colter? Did I am I saying that right, Mike Colter? 
Mike Coulter. Mike yeah. Coulter. Do you feel Mike Coulter portrayed you well in the film Skin? Well, yes. 100% beyond a shadow of a doubt. Only The only thing is he's like 0%. I said this before. It's like he has 0% body fat and I make up the difference. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's the only thing that I thought. Never mind. That's Hollywood for you. A.K.A. Luke Cage. Um, I'm a superhero nut. Luke Cage is one of my favorites. When they told me he was going to play me, I said, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Because, I mean, he was out of sight. He he played me real well. I was there, too. I was there, too, for the whole thing. Um, When I first saw the pictures of him dressed as me, I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> I was like, wow. And it was so crazy just be it was crazy being on set, just talking to him. Uh, I will strongly recommend go seeing his latest movie, Plane. It's so good they actually got a sequel. Um but it's it's great even though a lot of people aren't talking about it. I love the movie. So uh and watch his T V show, his current T V show Evil is great. I mean but um but it's like Coulter is is a hell of an actor, and and in talking with him, it's really um, it's really eye opening what he talks about, and what he wants to try to do with his career, and where he wants to go, what he wants to do, um, and it's so funny too because um, my office is like a block away from um, Mason Gross, which is like the. Uh, the art school for um, Rutgers University. He went to Mason Gross. Oh, so wow. he knows. So that was one of the best things about um, Mike. He went to he went to the college my father went to Benedict College in South Carolina. Um, he went to Rutgers University, Mason Gross, which meant he knew New Brunswick, New Jersey, where basically was my stomping ground. Basically, my stomping grounds. Now I'm talking to you from New Brunswick. <laughs> so. So it was great to be able to talk to somebody who could relate to exactly what it is um, I do and what is, what world I come from. And um, in a couple, and we're working right now on a, a I don't know if it's going to be a miniseries or a movie or just a straight up series about me. It's going to be kind of like a sequel to Skin. Oh, amazing! Uh, because a lot of people wanted to know more about me. And, and where I come from. So they're getting ready to, um, they're working on the script for that. And um, we're going to see what comes out of that. And the best thing about it is, is that it's being written by um, it, one of the main screen um, writers is going to be Elgin James. Elgin James used to be in an anti-fascist um, crew from Boston called FSU. And so he knows the world that I come from. Um, his best, one of his best friends is from New Brunswick and no, and literally knows me. And he's also an actor, um, in the show, the Mayans, um, which Elton James is, is, um, basically running. So, <laughs> so we got, um, and, and incidentally, the, um, one of the main people that came on board when I first, when they, um, when they were first, um, putting this together about my, um, about my story 
Chadwick Boseman came on. So now I have Black Panther on my side. Luke Cage and Black Panther <laughs> are now working with Daryl Lamont Jacobs. But unfortunately, we saw, unfortunately, he passed away. But his people are still here. And I think, he, I mean, you know, we didn't, no one knew that he had, um, he was sick until, until he passed on. And, and I think basically he wanted to see this, um, see this project go forward even after he was gone. And, um, I, I, I so we got to do it justice, not just for me, but also for, um, for Chadwick Boseman. So I hope, I hope we do. I mean, I think we, I know we will. I know we will. We know what we're doing. And before Skin, there was a documentary, right? Um, it kind of came... Okay, before Skin, there was a documentary that Bill Brummel put together. Um, if you watch the History Channel, he did the documentary about the history of the Ku Klux Klan. Oh, uh, you see okay. that documentary come up all the time. He came up with a um, documentary for Skin, um, documentary called Erasing Hate, which was about Brian Widener. Um, okay. The substance the main character in skin. And, uh, that was what, and then there was also an AP article as well. Um, but we watched the movie skin. Um, I mean, sorry, we watched, uh, I was in erasing hate briefly. And it was also during the shooting of the document, that documentary was when I actually met Brian face to face. Because we, because of um, security issues, we di- we wouldn't meet up face to face, and um, finally we had the opportunity while he was going through all the procedure of getting his um, tattoos removed. Um, finally, we we managed to meet up and talk, and um, they much enjoy each other's company, and that's what led to everything um, after that um, skin and all the other um, projects that we have worked with together. I think I lost you. No, you didn't lose us. I'm, we're I was we're listening. Okay. I yeah. was just listening and trying to think of a question to ask you. <laughs> you. You can feel free to talk too if there's dead air. You can just <laughs> you can feel free to oh, just no, start no, talking. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I was at a loss too. I mean, <laughs> uh, it was. I was just thinking on your what you were saying, and then I kind of like paused. And <laughs> yeah, and skin was like this really. It's tangible documentary about like the actual physical pain of removing. Of removing tattoos and um, I don't know that that hit me very deeply when I saw that. Yeah, he he has spoken about that. He's kind of like the pain was his penance. He, he would say. I think pain can also be really cleansing. I don't know if he felt it that way, but it's weird how different. Like, I, I I can't speak on that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't have to. I yeah, to, I didn't get to know him like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's a deep level. Oh boy! Yeah, but but yeah, and um, but like I said, I mean, Brian's good people. Brian is straight up good people, and um, and and he's doing all right. I mean, there's some things that he still has to um, reconcile, still things that he has to deal with, and and I'm going and I'm going to be there for him, even though I haven't seen him face to face, um. Good grief, in about four years. That's got to change. 
I just it just hit me that that's got to change. So I'm going to try to make that change this year. Do you want to share? Well, we talk on the phone all the time. Do you want to share on the backstory of what led him to um, remove the tattoos? Well, what happened was it's just like it goes back to the whole thing about folks come to me, uh, and I think one of the um, and I think one of the things that had people drawn towards trying to um, get out in the first place is that you grow up, you get older, start raising a family, and that's what happened with him. He had his son, and he says, "I can't raise my son in this world. Mm. This world is not me." And, but he didn't know how to get out. He had the tattoos on his face. He had that group of people that um, he would uh, that he was associated with at the time. They didn't know how to get out. They were all over the neighborhood that they were living in at the time. Um, his wife at the time, Julie, um, started to just hit me up on a um, on a discussion board that I had for One People Project at the time. Um, and everybody that was on the discussion board were pretty much embracing her and saying, Hey, welcome to the, welcome to the phone. Happy to see you here and so on. And she got involved in the conversations and such. And then she asked Brian to talk to me. And Brian at first was apprehensive because he didn't know how I was going to respond to him and all that. Because remember, he was a, he was a enforcer for, um, the group that he was a part of, and particularly a violent, a very violent one, has left a lot of people hurting. Let's be real. But so he didn't know how I was going to take him. And as soon as he got on, um, as soon as we got on the phone together, we talked for a good two, three hours. Oh wow! Not about politics, all about music. <laughs> yeah. Band. Yeah, I went to this show. I went to that show. Oh, yeah, I know that band. I know those people in that band. And it's like, it, it, and because that's, that's also the thing, my thing. It's always, always um, something like music is always a part of my life or something like that. So, uh, so that, so that um, was a main thing with uh, our first conversation. When we got down to business and when we got down to talking about where um, he wanted to go with his life. Um, it was about, yeah, figuring out how that can happen. You know, I mean, we, and, uh, hap- happily, um, he made the transitions that he needed to make. He didn't really, I wasn't looking for him to drop dime. And this is an important thing for me too. I'm not, as much as I would like for a person to, um, tell me all about the people that they worked with, the people that they associated with and such. That can come later, if it comes at all. I mean, I got to recognize that you got to be concerned about your security. I just need you to stop being a damn Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such a so, human connection to connect over music. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, hey it's like there's things about it. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of a popular thing about how music brings the world together, but I <laughs> can't think of any right now. Oh no, you don't. Ha- you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm really curious about what you kind of answered it a little with the music, but what what gives you the strength to keep doing this day to day? Are you a religious person at all, or does it come from somewhere else? Well, I do have my faith. I do have that. 
But it's also, yeah, I think I was always motivated since I was a kid to do something. And I always, even though I was a straight-up nerd, I always draw, driven myself, draw, was drawn more to the aggressive things in life. Mm. Like, I, I always liked it gritty. I always liked it hard. I always liked it when you're punching back. It's like, uh, that, that. I always was drawn to that, but remained a nerd <laughs> throughout my life. And it is, is um, it was crazy because that's, because my music at the time, music growing up, spoke to that in some degree. I mean, one minute, I mean, I'm listening to some smooth R&B growing up now. And the other minute, I'm just like listening to the hardest hip-hop, what was hard at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, looking for any hip-hop that had cursing in it, which was very rare back then, uh, because they needed to get airplay. And then somebody said, F airplay. <laughs> And and it, it was off to the races with me, um, and uh, that's one of the reasons why um, I was gravitating towards Public Enemy. I mean, Public Enemy and NWA, and even though NWA's politics bothered the hell out of me, a rather political, a rather social political position. I don't even know if you want to call it politics, but uh, but it was kind of like um, I was always I was always there. It was just a matter of how to stay here for me. And um, I just fell into a niche. That's beautiful. <laughs> I love it. And it was weird, too, because a lot of the music that I preferred to listen to was music that you wouldn't otherwise um, hear, listen to. You know, you couldn't find it, for example. Um, for me, as a black man growing up in a pretty much black suburban neighborhood, um, you didn't get a lot of metal. Um, I didn't start listening to um, um, any kind of metal until probably like just before I left the, um, just before I graduated from high school. Um, so that was, um, that was rare for a black person to do at the time. Hip hop I listened to was hip hop that wasn't even being played on the radio. Uh, then when I got out of the Air Force, um, I started gravitating towards the punk scene, and I've been there ever since because that's where you just found everybody just doing it because they needed to do it because they felt that I mean this was them, this is where they were at, and it didn't matter if you got airplay, didn't matter if you had a record label, didn't matter if you wasn't even looking for a career in um in music. It to be you wasn't looking to be the rock star. None of that mattered. You just wanted to play. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah, punk is like I'm gonna I'm gonna fight for my life and if you hear me, you hear me. Jazz is like that too. Mm-hmm. You realize jazz is probably more underground than punk these days. Absolutely. Totally, totally, totally. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, my father, that was my father's music. My father, uh, I was telling him, I started talking about all these 50s bands, 50s groups, doo-wop groups. um, And he remembered them, but he said, I listen to jazz. I mean, I'm not going to, I mean, I'm not talking about Sam Cooke because I listen to jazz. I like Sam Cooke, but I listen to jazz. Yeah. I listen to West Montgomery. I listen to 
Grant Green, I listen to Theonius Monk, you know, Horace Silver. That's who I that's who I listen to. And anybody else who just turned down the volume in his um hearing aid and <laughs> um, Francis had another question for you. Um, do you still have a connection to the po- Southern Poverty Law Center? Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, there's no. I mean, the Southern Poverty Law Center is a very different um, animal from before. But basically, from when it first found it. But my whole thing with the Southern Poverty Law Center or any group for that matter that's fighting fascism is that no sense in going over old territory. If you've already put the work in and got the information, I want to use it. So I try to maintain any kind of um, relationship with anybody that's doing the work that has the info. Mm, And that's where it really goes. And like I said, it's a different animal now. It's kind of like um, today's Southern Poverty Law Center is more in the street is more in the field and all that, trying to uh, basically um, not just um, get the job done, I mean, get the uh, get the story out, learn and do the research and everything, but also being proactive, which is what you needed to do after Trump got elected. Um, we just found out that one of them just got arrested over what was going on in Atlanta in recent years with the forest defenders. And um, he was a legal observer, um, he wasn't um, engaged in any kind of uh, violent acts, as they would probably say everybody else was involved in. But um, and um, he'll probably be fine. But we'll see. Um, but he was there to basically protect those that they were accused of such things. So, but I do have a good relationship with SPLC. And I don't see any reason why I should keep my distance from them. I mean, do you do people have questions about this at the bottom of the rest of the ship? They have questions about me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so. You, you can stay in the boat and rock the boat. <laughs> you can stay in the boat and rock the boat. I mean, I'm still trying to punch holes in it, but at least I know... Um, at least I know what I'm doing when I'm punching goals in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Now, on the topic of uh, getting the word out, I noticed that uh, One People's Project has a website called IdaVox. Right. Yeah. And I'm guessing the name is a uh, nod to Ida B. Wells? Correct, correct. See, one of the things that was really important when we started IdaVox um, in 2015 was we wanted the name to reflect um, a person, a person that um, we would admire. And Ida B. Wells did this work. We, we pretty much see ourselves as writing stories and reporting on things that otherwise wasn't being reported. And Ida B. Wells did that when it came to lynching. You know, Ida B. Wells was the... Um, was really the only one who regularly wrote about um, the lynchings of her day as, in an effort to try to get people to be proactive against them and try to get them to be basically um, made illegal, which you would think, you know, murder should be illegal. Um, 
absolutely. Right? But, uh, <laughs> Doesn't even need, <laughs> yeah, to be said. Um, but she basically exposed a lot of what was going on in her day. I mean, it's like it's like one of her quotes, the one that we have on our um, um, one of our stickers for Ida Vox is the way to right wrongs is to turn the light of truth upon them. I mean, it all goes back to that whole pen is mightier than the sword line. I mean, we pretty much have a pretty decent sword when it comes to um, our blogs and our pens, you know. <laughs> so, and, and Ida B. Wells spoke to that, and that's why we wanted to name the uh, website Ida Vox. And the reason why we uh, we went to Ida Vox is because went to a, um, a separate um, website because the one, the main One People's Project site was falling apart, and we were trying to reconfigure it, trying to fix it, so that it works, um, so that it works properly. And this is where all all of our stories used to be. But it, we came to the realization that our, you know, that our platform that we were using at the time was pretty much outdated, and it, mm-hmm. and the whole website needed reconfiguring. And we said, okay, if that's the case, then we're just going to open up a whole new website and uh, and take it from there. <laughs> and that's where Idabox comes in. You um you currently have a GoFundMe going on, right? Well, that GoFundMe, and uh, because we're going, um, we're going to Punk Rock Bowling. Um, we we were invited to come to Punk Rock Bowling, and basically, um show everybody what we got. We're a nonprofit organization. And the one thing that, um, and, and we were invited to show everybody, um, or rather pre- spread the word about anti-fascism. Um, and we wanted to make sure that we, um, pretty much gave up, pretty much, um, had something to show. Plus we also had to get out there somehow. Um, we, even though it's, um, the GoFundMe is pretty slow right now. But, yeah, that's why I wanted um, to mention it. Um, so, do you want to talk a little bit about how they can um, how they can support you? You can, you just go to the Ida if Box. You go to if you go to I believe if you go to the One People's Project website, okay. which is onepeoplesproject.com, dot com, um, you can donate to our GoFundMe. It, it's right there on the front page. Um, there's also a donate button if you want to just go. Um, and go directly to us and donate. And like I said, that's that's what people actually have been doing, which is one of the reasons why the um, GoFundMe is slow. Yeah, <laughs> the GoFundMe is slow. We actually got the money to fly out. Oh, great! <laughs> we actually Good. got the money to fly out, and we also realized that we didn't need as much money as we originally said. We asked for six thousand dollars initially, and now we're saying, nah. Well, we can do it for more than half that. So, so um, so for less than half that. So now I think we're just at we just want twenty five hundred dollars, and and we're going to be good. Yeah. For um, punk rock bowling, and that's going to be that's going to be um, Memorial Day weekend. There's going to be a lot of bands playing, and um, and and a lot of punk bands playing. So you know, I'm in my zone. Yeah. <laughs> where 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 is it going to be? Las Vegas. Las Vegas. Uh-huh. Las Vegas. <laughs> and, um, Punk rock Las Vegas. And <laughs> it's going to be, it's, 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 I went, I've been there um, once. I was there once. I went out to uh, see um, my um, friends perform. Uh, they were called the Drugettes. And, and, um, and when I got there, I was just like, 
you know, I really need to figure out how we can get one piece of practice to set up a table so everybody can um, just uh, come out and do their thing. And I'm glad I came out to that because um, my boy Jack Terracloth from uh, World Infernal Friendship Society was there. He wasn't they, the band wasn't performing, uh, but he he was there taking in the show. And um, we found we got a chance to say hello to each other, and that was the last time I got to see him. Um, last year, he had passed away, and um, and um, and I hadn't seen him since the show. And I was just like, I'm glad <laughs> we was kind of like in our element for the last time. So, but you know, you're gonna have. I mean, you think about it, you got Rancid playing, you got Bad Religion playing, Dropkick is playing, Suicidal is playing. Oh uh, wow! Who I know, Fishbone is going to nice. be playing, um, and then you just keep, and then you start running into the more the newer bands and such. Uh, you got Antiheroes there playing, and Lessons, Fear, who I saw play the last time. Uh, there's going to be. I mean, I'm not going to mention the bands that I um, might have issues with because I don't think that's fair. Um, I mean, but it also doesn't mean that if I didn't mention you, I have issues with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, there's a lot of bands here right now. <laughs> but, yeah. but, uh, but it, it looks like, it looks like I'm, I'm interested in seeing what a band named Ratfuck would sound like. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be a good, it's going to be a good outing. And, um, and a lot of my anti-casual friends are going to be there. And, uh, and the last time I was there, a lot of people, um, knew me from the, uh, from the documentary and from the movie. So, this is going to be a um, this is going to be a really good experience for not just myself, but also for more people's project in general. So I'm looking forward to this, and I want to thank everybody who did donate, who did help out, um, and um, who has helped us out in the um, in the entire thirty no, not thirty twenty year existence of one people's project. I want to thank everybody for that because um, this is a labor of love on my part, but by the same token, it's also something that needed to be done a long time ago, well before Trump even got on the scene. There's a lot, it's like we're, we're in the I told you so portion of um, of our career, but we really don't want to say that. It's just not let's do something is more, is more my uh, speed here. And that's what I want to go to Punk Rock Bowling to do, to try to show people, okay, this is what you can do. That's beautiful. Is there any song you want us to play for you before we wrap up? Well, let me see. There's a band that I can think of. You know what? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I would say Pop Will Lead Itself because Pop Will Lead Itself had a song called Outlander. And it's about as anti-fascist as you can get. I mean, I don't even know if anybody even knows who that band is. But when you say... Um, they always talk about how the anti-fascists are violent and all, and Black Lives Matter is violent and trying to cause um, trying to cause people to get hurt out there. They have a line in the song. I mean, the whole song is anti-fascist, but they have a line in the song that says, if the answer isn't violence, neither is the silence. And when you hear that, you realize that that says it all right there. I am not, the, despite what they say, I'm not the most violent person in the world. Um, I do not believe that um, it should be um, it should be employed on a whim. I don't think 
too many anti-fascists do. But to lecture us when you do nothing at all, um, no, we, we, we can't hear you. We can't hear you. We asked y'all, we asked people to get involved. We asked people to try to stop this before it's too late. And we shouldn't be hearing you after, um, after all it's in and done. And we decided to just do what we need to do. Um, um, so I always, I also always say that if you, whatever it is that you think we're doing is wrong, you go out there and do what's right. I mean, that's the whole, that should be your mission in life. All of our mission in life to try to beat back the nonsense that we see out there today. And, um, no amount of um, getting mad at us because you think we're doing it wrong is going to change that. You've got to make your moves. You've got to make the positive moves. Thank you. Thank you so, so, so much for coming today. You've been really, really, really incredible. Um, we're going to play your song. And, um, yeah. And that's the. This was so moving. This was so moving, yeah. It's called Ikbenan uh, Auslander, correct? Yes. Cool. Yes. Uh, before we go, I have to do a, uh, a little bit of housekeeping for uh, our station here, Brady Free Brooklyn. It's a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free, ex- uh, free expression and public art. We rely on contributions from listeners like you to keep us going. If you'd like to support Brady Free Brooklyn, you can make a one-time donation or a monthly pledge at readyfreebrooklyn.org/donate. If you'd like to listen to Ready Free Brooklyn anytime you're not in front of your computer, make sure you check out the Ready Free Brooklyn mobile app available at the Google Play Store for Android and at the Apple App Store for iOS. And finally, make sure you check out our monthly newsletter where we give you the latest in new programming, upcoming RFB events, and so much more. Check out readyfreebrooklyn.org slash newsletter to sign up. Thank you so much, Daryl. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm, I'm glad to have been here. If you need me again, just feel... We, give me that ring. We would absolutely love for you to come back on. I feel like we have more. We we have more to touch on. <laughs> oh, I'm sure we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> um, Especially and, after everybody hears this and says, "You know what? I have some questions." <laughs> <laughs> totally. Anywhere we can find you on the socials. Yes, there is. Of course, you can always reach um, One People's Project at OnePeople'sProject.com. Idavox, I D A V O X. Dot com. Um, you can catch me on Twitter until they find me at um, D Lamont Jenkins, which is also my um, Twitter, my uh, my Instagram, and uh, and One People's Project is also on um, Instagram under One People's Project and on um, Cash App and on uh, Venmo. And, and, uh, <laughs> Idavox too. Idavox is also on Instagram and it's Idavox O P P. And, uh, oh, yeah, that's right. And One People's Project, One People's P-R-O-J on Twitter. So, and, and that's it. Of course, you can find us all on um, Facebook and everything. And uh, hope to see you. Excellent. Thank you so much again for your time. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, you are very welcome. Very welcome. And thank you to everyone who tuned in tonight. Please stay tuned for The Circuit, which is up next. We are going to be closing out the night with Pop Will Eat Itself. Ich bin ein Ausländer. Take care, everyone.
Of the rise. 